Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to today's Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins. Today's podcast is a recording of an Instagram Live with Ali McLeavy, who after 20 years working in buying and most recently as head of buying for Topshop, has launched her own children's footwear brand, Zig and Star. We chat about how the brand came about and how Ali built the brand and establishing relationships with wholesale partners. So let's dive straight in. joining me this evening I was just giving a little bit a very very brief overview in terms of that you started your brand um earlier this year Zig and Star but if you could just um tell people that are watching a bit about you and a bit about your background as well so I started Zig and Star in March this year um it's a unisex kids footwear brand um but my background is that i worked in um high street fashion for i mean i can't actually remember how many years but like 20 odd years um my most recent job was head of buying at top shop and my history was always um footwear and accessories and non-clothing mm-hmm. so um i worked in um retail for a long time i absolutely loved it and then I had kids and trying to balance that, you know, work with home life. And I just had an idea to start my own business, never thinking I would ever be the kind of person who would. Yeah. Uh, and then the idea just grew and grew and grew. I was becoming more dis- disillusioned with um, not so much my job. I loved the brand. I loved the people that I worked with, but I wasn't feeling as passionate as I had done previously let's say yeah and so yeah then I just decided to take the leap um two years ago just over two years ago now to work on the brand full-time I spent two years developing it and it launched two months ago so that's it (laughs) and for those people that haven't seen your website yet or haven't uh, been on your Instagram I, I think that your brand is a brilliant example I think the website the the imagery the photography the packaging for me, it looks like a brand, and I know obviously with your background, it would be like this, but it looks like a brand that's been established for a long time. You know, it doesn't look like a, a startup brand. Everything, like so many of the boxes, you know, you've ticked them. And how much do you think, were there any surprises along the way for you in terms of challenges, knowing what your background is? Was there anything that you thought, oh God, that's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be? Or... Without yeah. having the big brand, you know, obviously, because you were head of buying at Topshop and then you left that to just do something on your own and you don't have the, the security of a brand name or a known brand behind you. Yeah. Was, were, like, what were the kind of surprise challenges for you? Um, you know, product development is my safe space. Like I had no, I sort of didn't really have any doubts about product development. I had a really brilliant partner factory that I've worked with for a very long time. 
Um, so that's a massive benefit. You know, it was a massive benefit to kickstart the development process. I knew the product that I wanted. I knew as a mum what I couldn't find for myself. So the development was quite safe for me. Coming from a really big retail organisation where I was in control of the product, you know, I oversaw the product for lots of different departments. You fed into lots of different other departments. You had marketing, digital, all these things. So you sort of had touch points with them, but you, it wasn't your responsibility. And you, you know, you sort of knew a bit, but not too much. So the world of, I would say, the biggest learning curve for me and the bit that still sort of, you know, you know, scares me a little bit in a way is the whole marketing side of it. Like, I don't feel that confident in that space. So what I would say is I'm still learning all the time. Like, it's really nice what you said about it not looking like a startup run. That's really, really nice. I think I've just brought in and collaborated with really, really good people that have helped delivered what I thought was right for the brand, but also like pulled on lots of different people's expertise. Um, but yes, yeah, sort of marketing the brand. I remember sort of thinking leading up to the website development and the shoot and the, oh my God, I have literally no idea what I'm doing. I hope it turns out all right. But then by sort of finding the right people, people who bring their own level of experience to the table, um, like I had an absolutely brilliant web designer who I worked with. And it was, it was hard, like, learning that process. I had an absolutely brilliant um, shoot team. The photographer and the stylist were amazing. So, in a way, um, I sort of um, – I wrote about this in a blog I put on the website. It's actually been quite a collaborative – you know, yes, it's my business. Yes, it's my vision. But it wouldn't – it would – no way would look as good as it looks, I believe, without other people's expertise that have come in along the way. Um, so yeah, I think it's basically, I think starting up the brand, once I did the product, you sort of just had to become a little bit of a jack of all trades, learning as you go along. I did a few little online courses. I'd learn a bit about Instagram. I'd learn a bit about SEO. I'd learn a bit, you know, next week it would be about something completely different. Um, so I'm, and, and to be honest, you know, I've launched a couple of months ago. I'm still learning all that stuff and I'm still really finding my feet with all that stuff. Um, yeah, so it's been a really, I mean, it's been a huge learning curve for me. And I don't see that ending, really. I think it continues yeah. to be a really big curve. And was there anything that, um, when you did decide to leave, that was there any point that you were like, yeah, okay, I'm definitely going to do it now? Was there any kind of, I suppose, not necessarily straw that broke the camel's back or, you know, because a lot of people will have those, I want to set up my own business or I want to do, you know, and you were obviously in a, in a job that you loved and in a, in a well-paid job, had a team that you managed. Yeah. Was there anything that were like, no, this is definitely, I'm definitely going to do this. What you drove know, you? It's really funny because um, having been in the industry a long time, you know, there have been times when um, very, very experienced people that I know, particularly women got to a stage and said, you know what, this isn't right for, right for me anymore. And I'm not saying you can absolutely have kids and have a career like this. It's absolutely possible. It really, really is. You know, I think people, some people I know do it absolutely brilliantly. Um, but I began to find it a bit more challenging in terms of, um, oh, there was, a, I mean, pre-pandemic, pre obviously, there was lots and lots of travel and stuff like that. And, but I remember always asking other people, like, how do you know when the right time is to have a career change or 
you know make the jump into doing your own thing like how did you know and I was always sort of thinking like is there going to be a sign like what how am I going to know if I if this is the right thing and it's really weird because um I did just know I just knew that at some point um I had this idea and even though I wasn't very I didn't feel that I was entrepreneurial I'd worked in sort of quite entrepreneurial business feel I had that belief in myself I did have sort of quite a lot of experience of sort of like running your own mini businesses and I just it didn't feel like a big jump for me it just felt like this is an idea that I want to um you know I want to sort of explore it a little bit more otherwise I'll never know if it you know it will always be nagging at me yeah and I'd have a third child and I'd really I'd you know, the idea was growing through my maternity leave and I didn't actually start working on it till like about a year. Um, and I just, it wasn't that anything specific happened. It was more that this voice in my head was getting louder and louder and louder of like, come on, just give it a go. Like, what have you got to lose? Um, and I thought, you know, I'm sort of mid forties and I was like, you know what, if I am going to try something different, now's the time probably rather than look back in like 10 years time and think, Oh, I should have given that a go. You know, if it didn't work out, I could always, you know, I mean, the market isn't completely in a mess at the moment, but you know, there was always an opportunity to like, well, look, I'll get another job. I'll, I'll do something. But if I give myself a few years to explore this, um, yeah, and then see where you end up. You know, nothing has to be forever, but give it a go and take a chance and see where it takes you, I think. Yeah, like you say, I think that you would have regretted it more if you hadn't done it and you yeah. got to that stage when you're older that you felt that it was maybe too late to do it, even though I don't think it's probably ever too late to start something. Oh, yeah. Be in a different mindset. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a podiatrist-approved range. So how did that come about? And for some people that are listening, so... A lot of the time within a buy-in role, um, you can go to a factory or showroom and you can pick stuff off the shelf where this is very much not that type of brand. Yeah, I mean, my, my history is working in, fa you know, fast fashion, if you like, you know, so I, you know, worked with brilliant factories, but you wouldn't be developing, you know, the last is um, a construction that determines the shape of a shoe. You wouldn't be working from very original last form. You'd be working on samples that were already made, last were bought off the shelf. This was something that, you know, the reason I wanted to start the brand was I always felt there was a compromise between style and good fit, good fit. Mm -hmm. and you know, you might find something like, oh my God, that's really cool colors or I really like the style, but actually I know probably it's not brilliant for wearing all day, every day. Yeah. It's, a, uh, or maybe they could just wear it for like a certain occasion. Um, and it, either that or it's trainers, which aren't always good for your feet either. So I just always felt there's a compromise. So I wanted to start at the beginning. So I, you know, developed my own last in the UK. I found an amazing uh, podiatrist consultant who worked with me on the development. So again, I just pulled in expertise. You know, the last makers I work with are the only last makers in the UK and they are absolutely, you know, artisans of what they do. Uh, the, the pediatric podiatrist that I work with is an expert in biomechanics. So I just sought out the best people I could find and brought them into the development process from the very, very beginning. 
um, which is probably why it took me so long to develop it. I could have, I could have, you know, got something off the shelf and launched it in probably six or six, nine months, something. But um, I spent two years developing sampling, developing sampling over and over again, refining it, making sure the fit was right. Um, and yeah, but like I say, it was, it was working out what the vision for the brand was and what expertise did I have and what expertise yeah. did I need outside the brand sort of identifying that and then bringing that in along the process to make sure it was the best product that it could be. I think that's such an important thing as well because so many people try and do something on their own to a point and then bring in people rather than I think like what you said what you did that you you at the beginning said right what can I do what can what do I need help with and yeah. that probably saved you time even though I know it took a while to develop it but it probably saved you time. It, yeah. yeah probably saved you money in the long run because you would not had to redo you know what I mean you brought in the right people for the shoot you brought in the right people for the marketing and, yeah. and the whole look and feel of it so you yeah. were able to get it right you know from the beginning as well and yeah. then just to touch on wholesale a little bit because I've seen your Instagram stories and that you've started wholesaling already was that a, a very conscious plan so my, when I first started um thinking about the brand I sort of thought through like a very sort of logical brand law you know in my mind how it seemed that brands launch to market it's like okay well they have you know they'll trial with a few boutiques and maybe you try and get you know one larger partner with multiples and things like that and then as I developed the brand um as it was going along um I actually thought you know what I want to st I want to launch the brand in a way that feels right for me in a way that I don't lose the narrative around what the brand's about and I felt by launching too quickly with too many partners um I might lose that you know this is not to criticize any like big department stores or things like that but actually you become very small fry to some of those big people and I thought you know what if I control the narrative and really control and sort of protect that at the beginning and then see where it takes me. So I made the decision to, um, you know, not start chasing wholesale partners. Also, I was working on a very, very quick turnaround. So actually, a lot of these partners expect you to be selling in, you know, like nine months, if not longer, in advance of when they're taking in the stock. Um, and then the pandemic hit anyway. Yeah. So it was, even if I'd wanted to, it would have been a very, very difficult time for retailers to commit to a brand new brand. So all in all, it sort of resulted in me keeping the brand quite small. I took a punt on the stock. I had literally no idea how big, small, were shops going to be open, were shops not going to be open. Um, and then as I've launched, and I've, as I've launched, I've really learned a lot about the brand and what connects with people and what works well with people. And then slowly I've just been reaching out to some sort of key partners. Um, you know, everyone that I've started working with from a wholesale point of view the conversation that we're having is that like this is a bit of a partnership like I don't have stores you know I'd love to get customer feedback vice versa if I can help you with stock or what's working what's not working is very much a two-way conversation so each individual stockist is sort of like a little insight into the customer for me and you know what works in different environments a shoe shop versus a lifestyle shop so I've definitely been picking um approaching partners with that in mind of okay like try a few different angles and what works and what doesn't work so then as I do grow I'm sort of you know I'm learning uh, you know I'm making decisions in a small way but learning from them so that when I sort of scale up I sort of have a bit of a clearer view does that make sense yep. so 
you know, what does work for lifestyle shops? What support do they need from me in terms of fit? Um, what kind of, how does that differ from what shoe shops sell? So it's sort of learning along the way while you're small enough to learn. I yeah. think that's something that um, I've really concentrated on at the beginning. Um, and then as I grow, you know, grow to a few more stockists, but my view is still to be, you know, have my own direct-to-consumer channel and then have hopefully amazing partner stockists around me to support the brand as well. Um, and then as and when I grow, then let's th I'll think about whether there's any sort of bigger retailers that I might um, work with. But at the moment, I'm quite happy working with small, local, you know, high street, boutique -y kind of businesses. And is there any, are there, have there been any surprises from the sales that have come through so far? You know, so there's a, there's a store, um, an absolutely brilliant store in Walthamstow called, called Word Store. And they are a lifestyle store which haven't done footwear before. Um, so it was a bit of a test for both of us and they've had an absolutely brilliant reaction and I think one of the reasons is because my brand is about adjustability and flexibility so it's quite a unique design in the sense of like every um, strap is sort of you know child friendly adjustable design so you can fit it pretty much to any foot so I think that has also helped because I think it gives parents a bit of reassurance of like, oh, okay, well, I can adjust it and my child's foot will be secure. Um, so that's been really, really interesting. Um, and the kinds of sort of colorways that have worked and the sizing that's worked. Um, what definitely what sells in physical spaces versus what sells online is really, really interesting. Um, and something that I've taken through into my um, planning for autumn winter. But um yeah, it's just been really nice getting to know the stores and getting to know the customers and trying to have that two-way conversation about what's important to them. And there was a question that came up in the comments there from Amy, and she asked about where you found your advisors and how you how you found those people in terms of, I suppose, your st the stylist. Well, the, the the, so, so um, the podiatrist was just Googling and calling people. Um, mm -hmm. And the... Um, the photographer was someone that I just followed on Instagram. You know, you just, you're scrolling through Instagram, not necessarily thinking you're looking for a photographer. And I just started saving down all her imagery and I just loved it. Like everything that she did just spoke to me because it was like sort of um, a bit of a slice of life. Like it wasn't too stylized. I was like sick of seeing kids like really sort of trussed up and like posed and I wanted to see real kids acting like kids and having fun and um you know the idea of them you know part of our shoot was like you know what do the kids want to wear like that sort of stuff so I found her um she suggested a stylist I met the stylist it sort of everyone just clicked um but so I, either sort of looking at other brands and what they were doing I definitely had a bit of a competition analysis before I started off like and a lot of it was what don't I like yeah because often find in my kids wear space what I did like so that was quite an interesting thing as well of like when I was speaking to you know new um, people I was working with it's like I can definitely show you what I really don't want it to look like um, and here's a few little ideas of what I do want it to look you know um, so yeah that was quite a useful thing have looking at competitors and what the, everybody else was doing in the market and yeah just a lot of research a lot of googling um, you know, obviously, I'm not going to lie, having a background in product development did help to a certain degree in terms of finding the factory and uh, finding the last maker in the UK. But um, 
just tons of time on Google, basically. <laughs> and at least we have it, don't you? you know, yeah. I mean, if the you were death. trying to start this, you know, 15 years ago, it would have been yeah. probably much more of a difficult kind of situation. Yeah, and yeah. Um, what do you think for you, if you can share, where do you see the brand over the next 12 months? Um, I, you sort of feel like you don't want to start sort of saying, oh, well, I'm going to grow like this because I'm going to be massive. But I think from the very beginning, I've always had big plans for the brand because for me, I felt there was a gap in the market that didn't yeah. fall on me as a customer. So, and hopefully as I've been developing and getting feedback from customers, there seems to be the feedback that, that a lot of people do feel the same, that there are, you know, there isn't a brand that speaks to them on everything that can do good fit, good style, nice colours, not ridiculously expensive. So the indications and the launch of the brand, you know, I, it was quite hard to target how successful the brand was going to be and what does success look like even anyway. Um, but I would say all the feedback, the sales, everything has shown me that there is definitely an appetite for this. So I would just like to grow and develop the brand. I've got, um, I'm just putting to bed my autumn collection. And then there's some other different categories that I will eventually add into the range. And then you know, in terms of products, we're a unisex brand. Um, we're started with footwear, but there's no reason why I don't see us branching out into other areas of accessories, um, potentially clothing. You know, I've already got um, in my mind what that would look like. It's just a case of, you know, I'm a self-funded startup. So cash flow is definitely a, a something to keep in mind. So although I've got all these ideas of, oh, well, I can do this and I can do that. You know, there have to, has to be like a bit of a strategy because at the moment I'm not planning on, I'm hopefully not planning on going externally for funding. I'm hoping that I can just sort of generate and sort of keep the cash flow running through the business to allow me to expand. And let's see where that takes me. You know, it might be that in a few years' time I might need to truly expand or scale. I might need an investment at that point. But um, at this point I'm trying to do it organically, like for the brand. Um, I haven't at any point thought about making decisions purely based on turnover. Like nothing's been about turnover. It's all been about what's right for the brand, what's right for the vision of the brand, where do I see this going? Even if the growth is slower because it's organic, I'm sort of, I'm happy with that at the moment because I'm not in this to try and make a fortune. I'm in this because I wanted to fulfill a gap in the market. Um, so, you know, maybe there's more partners ahead for me, you know, more collaborations. I've definitely got some of those things in mind. Um, but I'm definitely not going to be rushing out tomorrow and knocking on doors trying to get people to stock it. It was going to be, you know, working with partners that I think bring something to the table for the brand. Um, and, yeah, you know, sits nicely alongside my own direct-to-consumer business. I think as well, and going back to the branding and the visuals that you have had for the brand and executed that it's it started off on such a great foundation that where you when you were talking there about you know you, you know potentially clothing but you know you can really see it that that is you know it's a very logical step because of how the brand looks and you know I can imagine you know I, I can imagine walking past your standard a trade fair you know yes. and and and, yeah. and seeing the shop it's just and I think it's just really important for people to get their branding right at the beginning and their 
you know, what they have in their head to be really proud. And you must be really proud of what you've created because I think it's fantastic. I, know, I really do. I think it's a beautiful brand. Thank and, you. you know, I think that you must be so proud of what you've created. And I think for some people, there's some things that I go, that I would say done is better than perfect, you know. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do that. But I think when it comes to your branding and your vision and the visuals and setting those foundations of what you then build everything on for the brand, you know, there's yes. some things you do need to spend the time on and get absolutely, you know, 100% and be really proud of them. Um, one thing that I did, I did a sort of, I, I had a friend who, again, pulled on expertise that I know and pulled in favours, but... <laughs> spending some time you know you can be on the sort of the wheel of like oh product development product development website da, 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 you know and you can sort of like just carry on down that path and um sitting with a friend and really just talking about the brand and what the brand stands for and spending a bit of time with that on that and just sort of getting words down of like you know we are you know uh, you know we are unisex, we are inclusive, we are, you know, we want to celebrate difference and sort of really sort of think spending time sitting with that for a little bit as well, rather than just thinking, you know, the aesthetical, the aesthetical, yeah. aesthetic decisions as yeah. you go along. Um, it's like having a bit of a background or a sort of a solid base of, you know, what are we doing and why are we doing it and what difference do we want to make? And having that sort of quite secure and clear in your head, that has also definitely made um, making decisions a bit easier, I think. You know, you know what our purpose is and the difference we want yeah. to make. So that when you are designing a website and the language that you use, like, does that, does that really express that to the world? Like, you know, even things with social media. Social media is so quick and you can just be blah, 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 posting loads of things, but always bringing it back to what are we about, you know, and, and also a bit of yourself in it because you, if, you've, if you're starting a brand, there's going to be a lot of you within the brand and sort of letting that come through as well rather than it all just being behind a screen, you know. So yeah. um, has helped with keeping me on tr well you know i'm not saying it's perfect by all means and there's definitely things that i would tweak as i've learned as i've got along but sort of keeps you more focused as you go along making more and more and more decisions i think yeah like you say in terms of bring it back to those brand values and i think that goes also with your wholesale partners are they aligned with what you do are they yeah. you know and like you say you're choosing partners that are the same type of vision or that are that make sense for you to partner with um you know because it's a logical step rather than, and your customers would expect to see you there rather yes. than so that, that's a strange fit. You know, it's not just doing something like you say from a revenue or a turnover point of view. It's, it, does yes. it sit with the brand? Does it sit well with you? You know, yeah. and, and it might mean that you sometimes turn down opportunities that could possibly be quite lucrative. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely things that, you know, I've been approached about and I, I haven't said, I'm never going to work with you guys, but I'm just said, look, that's not right for me right now, you know, yeah. and there are definitely some decisions that I've made because it's all about, like you say, does that feel right? And, it, it, you know, and especially at the beginning of a, of a brand when you're learning and you're working with small partners and trying to support small businesses and stuff like that, certain collaborations maybe don't feel right. Mm -hmm. 
you know, nothing's ever no. I think you always keep conversations open, but sometimes it's worth considering, you know, you might want to say no at certain points because it doesn't feel like it adds value to what you're doing and makes sense to the customer. And just a, a, a couple more questions in terms of, so footwear is quite a difficult thing from a sustainability point of view. How have you approached that? Mm -hmm. So I, with the... Um, with the development process, so actually another massive benefit that I've had is um, having worked at Arcadia for a long time, I had an amazing um, sort of sustainability mentor who worked in Arcadia and was um, championed the sustainability processes within Arcadia and ranges and stuff like that. So before I left, that was an area that I was working on. And so she's helped and consulted for me um, also on the development process. So uh, I mean, it sounds terrible because I've had a lot of I've had a lot of expertise that have been willing to help me. So I have been very, very lucky and I accept that. Um, as part of the development process, all our designs are designed to, one, be adjustable, but two, last longer and three, be passed on. You know, and all in consultation with a podiatrist, you know, the comfort, um, you know, making sure that shoes that are as secure as possible, but also give you room to grow and also give you the ability to pass it on and being unisex, can obviously be passed from brother to sister um certified materials every material that you use you know trying to find the best possible sourcing for those materials and even when it comes down to packaging um all our packaging is recycled recyclable or compostable and again in a lot of cases you are going to be paying more for those things but those things matter so it's mm. just making sure every decision you along the way you're trying to um you know, and also the other thing is sustainability is like, that's another area. It's a massive learning curve. Even sort of big brands are still learning about um, sustainability and the, and the differences that things, you know, decisions can make. So it's always being open to change and, you know, trying to learn and improve. And, you know, some people have asked me about doing possibly like a vegan range in the future. I had a couple of messages about that. It's also weighing up those options because in some cases, there are, you know, amazing vegan materials, but also finding a material that's breathable and good for your feet and stretches and things like that. So it's just trying to balance all those things um, and also recognising that some synthetics are actually, you know, um, you know, the chemicals that go into those producing those plastics aren't great either. So it's always just trying to assess your sourcing and the supply chain. I've got a very, very good partner supplier in China that does, uh, you know, um, you know, all my relevant testing, sourcing, you know, all of that kind of thing. Um, but it's also asking the right questions and just trying to educate yourself as you go along, because it is, like I say, it's a huge, huge topic and it can mean so many different things. I think it's just always trying to use your sense to try and ensure you're making decisions that feel as ethical um, as possible, you know, so... Great, thank you. And lastly, for those people that are on the fence setting up there between, you know, deciding to leave a corporate job and setting something up, what would you advise them? Um, you know, in a way, I sort of think one thing about the pandemic coming from the industry that I come from, you know, fashion retail, um, maybe now's as good a time as any you know part of me when i was setting up the brand and you know i was originally launching it and then the pandemic hit so it delayed and you know launched you know during lockdown 
you know, I was like, is this a good time to start a brand? But then is any time a good time to start a brand? So, you know, I think if it's something you feel passionate about, I do think that is important because I think if it's something you're doing for monetary reasons, perhaps, I don't know how much longevity you can have in that because I think you have to ride the highs and the lows with starting your own business. I'm not going to lie that there are, you know, January when Boris announced another lockdown, I just, I was in the kit. I was like, forget it. I can't, I can't do this. I've got three <laughs> at home. Forget the brand. Like, you know, anyway. Um, so there I are, think we all went through a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. There are highs and lows. Um, so I think you've got to really, really care about it. You've got to really, really care about, and that doesn't mean it has to be like a huge, big, massive idea. It doesn't mean you have to be the first person that's ever done something. It means you've got to have an idea, feel passionate about it, and be willing to accept the highs and the lows. And it is so rewarding. Like I've, I couldn't, I mean, it hasn't even been long since I launched the brand, but I couldn't ever imagine working for anyone else now. You know, it's really strange. You just sort of, I turn around and think, oh my God, how did that had just happen? Like two years ago, everything's completely changed, yeah. including the world around us as well. But um, yeah, I just think, you know, the discussion that I had with my other half was, you know, um, you know, how much can we afford to spend? How long can I afford to give this and let's give it a go? And so there was a bit of, you know, um, risk assessment around it. It wasn't just, I went, oh, I'm going to give up my job. And, you know, mm -hmm. we sort of risk assessed the situation, if you like, and thought, you know, um, you know, how much can we put into this without it sort of, you know, being financially worrying for us. Um, and we put that aside. And then that's, that was the sort of bucket of stock, that, you know, bucket of money that I worked with. And, um you know, and the brand has been successful so far. So hopefully it was the right decision. Let's see, time will tell. But um, I mean, I would massively encourage everybody to give it a go if they have an idea, you know, why not? You know, the the work market out there is, I think for a lot of industries, just crazy. And I think people are so keen on supporting small businesses, shopping small, you know. I I'm so much more now, you know, interested in, buying small things from small brands that I probably never even have heard of before. You know, Instagram shopping has made everything so much more accessible. So I think now is probably as good a time as any, yeah. in a way. Why not? The thing is as well, for some people, they um, you don't have to go all in. You can do it on the side as it grows. You know, there's some people that we that I've spoken to that, you know, they've had they've done it as a side project for a couple for maybe two years to see how it grows. I mean, obviously, yes, you'll grow slower, but you might need that cash flow from a full-time job to help support it. You know, so sometimes you yeah. don't have to go all in. You can, you can test and trial and go at a different pace, you know, yes. and, and then other times, like you say, when, when you've done your risk assessment, you know what cash you've got and that's your budget that you're going to play with, then, yeah. you know, there's different situations. But thank you so much, Ali, for joining me this evening. Oh, lovely time to you like I said I think I, I would be so proud if it was my brand I'd be so I'm sure you are really proud of it I need well, to, I have to, buy I some to think here. about whether I'm proud or not I'm just like every day I'm like oh god what have I got to do now but um I appreciate I know it. you've no assistant nice. buyers to ask you or no buyers admin to go and do it that's the thing yeah, that's like, yeah. oh, I've got to do it myself no one else to <laughs> <laughs> I know well thank you very much and have a lovely evening thank you nice speaking to you
I hope you enjoyed that episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. If you did, I would love if you could leave a review and I look forward to chatting with you again next week. If you'd like to hear and see more from me, then check out my Instagram, The Byron Retail Coach, or my website, www.thebyronretailcoach.com. Till next week. Bye.